You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, your editor at CatholicExchange.com with you once again. And today we have a very familiar name. Most of you will know immediately who she is. This is Haley Stewart. Haley is a lot of things. She is a blogger. She's a mother. She lives with her bearded husband down in Florida, but is soon relocating to Texas. We'll talk about that in a jiffy. She was the first writer I recruited at Catholic Exchange almost two years ago when I took this assignment. So in a lot of ways, she's been here for the ride with us from the beginning of at least my tenure here. And Haley blogs at Carrots for Michaelmas. I'm sorry, Michaelmas. And you can find that on CatholicExchange.com. We'll link right up to it. And Haley, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's our pleasure to have you as well. And to start us off a little bit, tell us a little bit about your blog, Carrots for Michaelmas. Namely, where did that name come from? <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, when my husband and I were interested in the Catholic faith, but we hadn't converted yet, we started looking into the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. And it was September, and the next big feast day was the Feast of St. Michael, which, um, in Jane Austen speak is Michaelmas. So, um, we were kind of looking into what is this? How would we observe this? And one of the things we saw as we were doing a little Googling was that carrots are often a traditional food to have, especially in Scotland. So, um, we put together some kind of meal and we had whiskey glazed carrots and, we couldn't find a goose, so we roasted a chicken, and um, we decided we would just kind of document it on a blog, but I'd never had a blog before, so I just named the whole thing Carrots for Michaelmas because I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> it just kind of stuck, although it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> so it really comes from a, a lot of ways, and this is what I see all over your blog, is really an appreciation and a rediscovery of the liturgical calendar and the traditions that are associated with it. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that really drew us into the faith. Um, And so that is one thing that we, I try to do on the blog um, as we are discovering the liturgical calendar and just sharing easy ways to bring that into your home because we kind of set out not knowing what we were doing and there's just not a lot of resources all in one place. And so we try to just document what we're doing as we go along, hoping it'll make someone else's life easier as they are discovering the same things. Absolutely. And you're right. There aren't a lot of resources. I converted to Catholicism, but didn't really know any of the liturgical traditions until I came to the East Coast and got to know big Italian families, basically, is what I have to credit it to. (laughs) Uh, Big Italian families up and down the Eastern Seaboard who take these traditions very seriously. But uh, was it a prompting of seeing not enough resources that made you want to start writing about that? Um, yes. And we kind of, we really enjoy like eating real food meals. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily mean super healthy, like lots of bacon (laughs) is kind of our go-to, but a lot of what I was seeing was, um, you know, good ideas and good things, but just like a cake and, and the icing on top, maybe, do something related to the saint whose feast day it is, which is great, but all of our kids are allergic to gluten and they can't have very much sugar. And so we were trying to figure out how to incorporate the liturgical year in a way that would just be really organic for our family and just 
hey, we're having dinner like we do every night, but here is why we're eating this particular thing. Um, so that it could just sort of be woven into our days and work for, for our family and hopefully for some other families too. Aside from the liturgical posts, I do have to ask, what are some of the other posts that get a lot of attention or that are your favorite to write? <laughs> One of my problems with my blog is I have a terrible time at narrowing down what I'm supposed <laughs> to be writing about. Um, know the feeling. <laughs> but I write a lot about motherhood and kind of mm -hmm. that journey that I'm on. So I think that's what resonates with a lot of people. Um, and I like writing about about books and literature. And I, I think there's a lot because, I mean, it's a it's a mom blog. It is a mom blog, which is fine. Um, but I think that a lot of women kind of in my position um, really want some intellectual stimulation, but don't want to pick up an academic journal. And so I have a lot of fun thinking about thinking about books and writing about books and then getting to hear from my readers about what they're reading and their thoughts on some of the books I'm talking about. And, um, it's just a fun community. Certainly is. I, I have to admit that as a man, a single man at that, I do read the blog and <laughs> I sometimes, and other mom blogs at that. And I sometimes think to myself, what am I doing? But I've always enjoyed it. So I have no shame. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Can't say I relate to all the parenting stuff, but there's a little bit there. <laughs> the readers always want to know this question. I'm sure you get tired of this one, but how did you and Daniel come into the Catholic Church? Okay. Well, let me see if I can. Just start at about age five and work <laughs> yeah, your way up. It'll that's be okay. the question, isn't it? It's like, here's the culmination <laughs> of your whole life. Just boil it down. Um, well, I was raised, um, kind of started out in the Presbyterian church, but my family, um, moved around a little bit. So, um, went to some more mainstream evangelical churches, Presbyterian, things like that. And then when I was in high school, my, my parents were confirmed in the Anglican church and I was about to leave for college. Um, so the Anglican church kind of opened my eyes to the liturgy, um, and kind of got me more interested in Catholicism. And then I, after I went to college, I went to a Baptist school, actually the largest Baptist university in the world, <laughs> which is a weird place to convert. But, um, Daniel and I were both reading a lot of the early church fathers in our classes, all the way up to the, the reformers. And, um, as we were reading, I think we we're having to address some of our underlying assumptions about our Christian faith. Yes. And those continued to be challenged. And so, especially reading St. Augustine or St. Ignatius of Antioch. We're just kind of we're struck by, wow, there's some things in here that are really different from our Protestant faith. And they're things that seem really Catholic. And these guys are really close to the time of Christ. So what do we do with that? And then, you know, as we continued reading onto up to the reformers and you know, we were Protestants, but I hadn't read Luther or Calvin until then. And just reading those texts for the first time, um, realizing, wow, I just don't know if I really believe that. So I think I was also drawn 
to the beauty of the church and, and the liturgy and needed to have the, needed to know that that beauty wasn't founded on nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I kind of needed to be convinced yes. intellectually, although I was very drawn. Um, and for Daniel, I don't think he experienced that attraction to the church so much as, well, now that I, I can't unknow this, <laughs> you know, I, I, I believe this is the true church and there's nowhere else to go now. So we've just got to do this. And then, mm-hmm. and then when he entered, he was really struck by the beauty of the church. So, and we did this at the same time. Our journeys were a little bit different, but I'm really thankful that we got to do it together because I know that would be really difficult to have one spouse converting and the other not. And, um, so, um, it all, it all worked out. <laughs> I see. Yes. And it's also interesting. I always tell people there's a thousand ways to enter the church and you and Daniel absolutely show that like, there's the intellectual, there's the beauty, there's sometimes just feeling welcome in a parish. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, that was, my experience was first intellectual and then the beauty when I got to more uh, traditional and Eastern Rite Masses, I was like, okay, the beauty here is enough to convince me to stay. Mm-hmm. And I seen that it was a little bit of both on my end. Uh, but go back to your website, you mentioned coming into the church and all that. And some of your most popular post-Catholic exchange have been about having your children at Mass. In fact, I still think your one about my kids don't ruin mass has been our most commented post to date <laughs> at Catholic Exchange, which if you had asked me beforehand, would that happen? I would have told you, of course not. <laughs> but on that note, how is it to have your kid to be raising your kids? Like, what do you see that's different from, say, neighbors or friends, family and how you're raising the children to be Catholic? Yeah, that's a good question. Um Well, one of the things that I love about the Catholic Church is that children are at almost every parish, you know, we hope at every parish welcome in the mass and Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, nursery might be an option and that's fine. Um, but just to have the option to bring them in to worship as a family and for them to experience the grace of the mass. But I also love, um, teaching them about the saints, which is something that I didn't grow up with. I mean, we, we had some heroes of the faith, um, like Jim Elliott, maybe Jim and Elizabeth Elliott and you know, those kind of, of folks that you could see Christian virtue in, but having this resource of the saints, that's just so huge. And we can read books about them and talk about all of these different ways that they display the light of Christ and the love of Christ mm-hmm. is, um, really exciting. And I love showing, um, showing how many different ways there are to be a Catholic, um, that they're not boxed in that there's, you know, St. Joan of Arc is a female military leader. (laughs) She's a saint. Um, and there's, yeah, there's just so much, so much there, such a wealth to draw from. And I think, Maybe that's in general just my experience is I've been given this wealth to draw on as I'm sharing the faith with my children. And I grew up with a great foundation in the scriptures, of which I'm so grateful for. And sometimes as Catholics, we're not as good about passing on the scriptures to our kids. So we really we try to do that. But I feel blessed that we also have this wealth of tradition to draw on that can kind of create this Catholic family culture mm-hmm. that... I mean, apart from just being really fun, <laughs> I think 
it can just bring a lot to the way a child learns. I mean, we all learn through our senses, but children especially, um, you know, the taste of food and different things we can do to celebrate and, and honor the saints and the Christian year, I think just really translates well for kids. Oh, yes. And translates very well for adults, too, to have those <laughs> heroes of the faith to help us out. Yeah. I know I for sure am very thankful to have their example. Now, from your blog, we also got Feast, this great book you and Daniel have written, and I've read through it. I've tried a few of the recipes. I can't say I'm at probably as good as you two are, but I've tried. <laughs> uh, but can you tell us a little bit about this book? Sure. Um, I guess we'd done several posts about the Christian year and just some recipes for different saints. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked a little bit before about how we like to kind of weave it into our dinner meal. And Daniel, Daniel is very creative, like artistically and culinarily creative. Mm -hmm. So I can follow recipes, but I can't really create recipes. So Daniel kept getting inspired to cook these great meals. Um, with maybe what we were growing in our garden and something that was connected to um, different saints for different feast days. And one of the things he would do would be to, you know, research a saint a little bit, see where they were from, maybe where their ministry was, where um, places where there's a special devotion to that saint, and then kind of look up what's, what's the what's the food traditions in that geographic area and maybe how have they been celebrating this saint? Um, and just, he kept pulling up a lot of really cool stuff. We kept trying different recipes. He kept tweaking recipes. And so we decided to just put it all together in, in a book where people could be introduced to the Christian year and we'd have reflections and introductions to the different seasons like Advent and Lent. Um, and then also just little recipes, little activities for different holy days. And so we just put it all together. It took a lot longer than we expected it would. Um, <laughs> eventually wrapped the, up the project. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's been, it was really fun. I think it's been helpful to some people who just want to start out. And there's, there's both difficulties in finding resources, but also there is so much out there that if you're just looking at a calendar, with all of these, I mean, there's a saint every day. There's multiple saints every day. It's yes. really overwhelming. So we wanted to create something that would kind of introduce, make this easy for people to dip their toes in. Oh, great. And how has the response been from the folks who've read it? Um, it's been really great. It's, it's been really good. Um, we did a little follow-up book, a smaller little ebook with mm -hmm. about half as many recipes afterwards. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been a great response, and those continue to be really popular posts. So I think it's something that people are looking for and want. Certainly, with all the recipes in there, what would you say are your two favorite recipes from the books? Okay, well, my favorite favorite recipe is one that Daniel created after looking at some um, chicken piccata recipes. So not chicken piccata, mm -hmm. but piccata like P I C A D A. Um, yes, yes. and it's chicken, but it has this amazing, amazing sauce that has almonds and garlic and chocolate, which sounds crazy. So it's a teensy bit like a mole, but different. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
he did that one for St. Raymond Nonnatus, who oh, wow. was from, um, I think he was Catalan. So um, from that region. And I think I first heard about St. Raymond Nonnatus from watching Call the Midwife, but because <laughs> the, the nuns in it live at Nonnatus' house. And um, I think that is probably my favorite thing I've ever eaten. It's so good. So we kind of save that for special days. I'm trying to think of what my second favorite might be. I think I know. A friend of ours, um, just after I'd had our third baby, she brought over um, carnitas, and her recipe was so good that I asked if we could use it and credit her in our second book. And so we used it for the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, wonderful. And it is really good. I can't even take credit for it because it's her recipe. <laughs> it's really, really good. It sounds like it, I'd imagine. You guys actually uh, raise your own chickens if the pictures are to be believed. Yeah, we Is do. Right? We do. We just recently passed them on to my sister-in-law because we're about to move. But mm-hmm. um, we've had chickens for about as long as we've lived in this house, which is about five years. So we raised some for um, some layers so we could have eggs, and then we raised some meat birds. And we did, we did eat them. <laughs> it was a little bit sad, but you know, a chicken has to die anytime we eat chicken. So it was good to kind of understand the whole cycle here of yes. what we were dealing with. And we knew they were happy chickens and that matters. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's been, um, that's been really fun and really fun for the kids. Um, Benjamin, my six year old is our chicken catcher. So when everyone gets loose, we send him out because he's the best at catching chickens. And he's very sweet uh-huh. with them and carefully puts them back in the coop. So, um, so yeah, I can't take a lot of credit for them because Daniel fed them and Benjamin caught them when they ran away. So I really just got to eat the eggs. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that. And I am always amazed at how many good Catholics I know that have chickens. It's uh, I can actually think of seven people off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's... <laughs> A lot more people have chickens. I don't have chickens because I live in an apartment, and my landlord would probably <laughs> frown upon such activities as trying to start an urban farm on his property, but I've tried. Do you guys do anything else uh, for keeping it local? Do you do anything like gardening or anything like that? Well, um, we just got an offer on our house, actually. Yay! Congratulations. Um, yes. So while we were showing the house, Daniel actually took out all the raised beds, but until a couple of months ago, our entire front yard, which is where this, the sun was, was completely raised beds. So there was almost no grass. <laughs> um, so not much to mow, which was nice. Always. And um, Daniel, it, Daniel's the one with the green thumb, but he always had a fantastic garden going. So in the summer, we'd have peppers and squash and just tons and tons of tomatoes um, we did, we did some winter squash, we did greens, um, Swiss chard, and that was really fun. And really, I guess we, the first time we had a garden was when we still lived in Texas. And really until that point, I had no idea when things were in what season. I had just no concept at all because everything's in season at the grocery store. It's always there. And so growing up in the city, like I just, didn't know anything. So when we started gardening, it was kind of exciting to be like, well, this is what we have. This is what's in season. 
whatever you make, it has to be made from these vegetables because this is what's growing right now. Um, yeah. So it took me a couple of years to really get into the rhythm of what grows when um, and what we eat when. But then it just became really fun. I mean, it became fun to wait for that first tomato and really not eat tomatoes between the end of September and the beginning of, well, in Florida, really May or April even, sometimes you can get tomatoes, depending on how hot it is. Um, but that first tomato of the season was so exciting because we hadn't been eating tomatoes for several months. And just having never experienced that, it was just kind of a whole new world that made cooking and food a lot more fun. Because I, I grew up not knowing how to cook. I didn't know how to cook until a couple of years after we were married. Um, Daniel's always been a much better cook than I am. Um, and I think I always kind of thought of it as like drudgery of some kind. But I feel like gardening kind of gave me a sense of the art of it, um, of the whole process. And then I just kind of gave it more respect after that. And so that's been kind of a fun journey, too. Oh, and I know the feeling. We grew up with a garden in my home in Oregon, and also all our family are ranchers or farmers. So we had a, a deep appreciation of specialty of fresh herbs. My mom always had fresh rosemary somewhere on the property, even mm -hmm. if she had to bring it indoors. And as I tell people, once you've had fresh rosemary, the stuff that comes freeze-dried in a can is not. Oh, yeah, you can't go It just doesn't do it. <laughs> no, you can't. It's like, oh, had this already. Can't go back to the freeze-dried stuff. We realized a few months ago um, we'd been giving our one-year-old tomatoes from the garden all the time, and she was just eating them up. And then we were at a restaurant, and there was like that like really pale wedge of a tomato that came with a salad. And we yes. tried to give it to her and she's like spit it out and looked at us like, what is this? Like, what did you <laughs> give me? It looks like a tomato, but then it doesn't taste like one. And I realized, oh no, we've already made her a food snob and she's not even two. Um, but it's just, you know, once you've tasted a real tomato, it is hard to go back. Yes, it is. Uh, that is something I've realized in traveling, especially is there's certain foods. Once I've had them, I'm like, eh, don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, do your kids, I know Benjamin's Chasing Chickens, which is a wonderful title for him, the chicken chaser. <laughs> uh, are the kids involved in other way with the chickens or the garden? They love to be in the garden, and mm. I think they've missed it since we took the beds out because um, Daniel, Daniel did most of the work in the garden. And they just would love to be his little garden helpers and they'd go out there and weed or they'd plant or harvest. And it is exciting to see them because I grew up knowing nothing. And so to have my Benjamin is six now, but when he was four years old, he knew just as much as I did about gardening and could <laughs> say like, oh, that's a such and such plant. Even before it had any fruit on it, just the seedling, he could recognize them um, because he's grown up with it. And so that's really fun to see. And I'm excited that they're going to have this whole other world that I didn't grow up with. Um, it's pretty fun. That is certainly fun. And speaking of farming and gardening, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast. When we get back, Haley and I are going to talk about farming and moving back to the land. Uh, stay tuned with us. We'll be right back. CatholicExchange.com is your resource to learn and grow in the faith of the Catholic Church. 
We publish three articles a day about the examples of the saints, growing in holiness, and enriching your prayer life. Stop by CatholicExchange.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive daily articles, as well as offers on the best spiritual books out there. CatholicExchange.com, making saints in our own time. And we are back here. This is Michael Litchens with Haley Stewart once again, everyone's favorite Catholic mom at Carrots for Michael Mass. And we are talking, we've been talking about our blog, her book, Having Kids Out in the Garden. But she has some really exciting news she's been blogging about. Anyone who reads her blog already knows. But Haley, tell us a little bit about this news. You mentioned that you already had an offer on your house. What's the new adventure? Yes, we have an offer on the house. And um, selling the house is kind of the last step before we are leaving Florida and moving back to Texas, which is where my husband and I went to school. Um, Daniel and my husband accepted an internship at a farm out there. So he's going to be learning um, sustainable agriculture. He'll be the livestock intern, and we all get to join him on the farm. So um, we're really excited. It's it's a really great community out there. It's called the World Hunger Relief Farm, and it's mm-hmm. kind of um, an educational training farm that was started to train missionaries to do sustainable agriculture um, for foreign missions. And so they've got interns and they've got some live-in volunteers and they do community outreach. <laughs> it's hard to describe it without it sounding like a weird commune, but I promise it's not. <laughs> um, it's totally above board, even though it's in Waco. So it's just, you know, farm, a bunch of people living there together, Waco, Texas. I feel like it automatically makes people think commune. So we, we try to figure out ways to explain it so it doesn't sound like that. But um, we're really excited. So the kids, you know, the three kids will be with us on the farm, and I won't be doing the internships. So I'll just be doing the homeschooling, doing some writing, and um, Daniel will be doing most of the work outside. But um, I think it'll be a great experience for the whole family. I agree. And by all means, uh, I think anytime Catholics are trying to live with intentionality, whether it's being married, practicing, you know, NFP and trying to do that, or whether it's just being a daily mask or the world thinks you're kind of a weirdo. So you <laughs> might as well go full on and just take it all the way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So we're excited about, I and mean, we love Florida. We love Tallahassee and our families are out mm-hmm. here, but um, we ha- still have some great friends in Texas from college and we actually have a, a couple of really close friends who have converted since we moved away. So that will be kind of fun to have a Catholic community there waiting for us that wasn't even there when we left. Um, and that's the church where we were confirmed is there. So it'll be fun to be back at that parish. So, yeah, we'll be there in September and we're just really excited. Certainly. And you mentioned Daniel's going to be uh, as interning to do livestock. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking over the wild beast and i love that uh will will you guys uh are you planning actually is this a long-term plan to look for creating your own farm your own space that's that is a dream we have and so this is kind of a step towards that dream to let us get our feet wet we thought about you know we'd love to buy a farm we'd love to have a farm but we realized doing that now would set ourselves up for failure because we just do not have the knowledge necessary to make that successful. So this is kind of um, yeah, a chance for us to learn and um, grow 
and figure out, hey, is this really what we want to do and what direction would we like to take it in? So whenever people say, what are you going to do after that year's up? We go, we don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we'll figure it out in the next 12 months. So, um, yeah, that's definitely um, that's definitely the goal at this point. And we'll just see where the road is that takes us there. Excellent. And do you and Daniel see this as a, a vision of part of your Catholic life is to go and do farm work? Is that part of the vision? Yeah, I think that um, Daniel's always been very intentional um, mm-hmm. about that sort of thing. And, you know, our, our stewardship of the earth and our connection to food. And we both read way too much Wendell Berry in college. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. I think that especially as Catholics, when the material, you know, the material physical world is so infused with the spiritual world. Um, right. something that wasn't a part of my Protestant faith growing up, but that I just love so much about our Catholic faith is, you know, when we sit down to the table for dinner, we can think about that as a reflection of the Last Supper, of the Eucharist, of the wedding feast of the lamb, you know, all of these things can be connected and can reflect the beauty of that grace. And so it kind of matters what we, what we eat, you know, it matters to the person who was growing this, were they given fair wages? You know, they matter. The, was the earth treated well to create this or are we destroying it? You know, are the animals on my table, were they treated in a way that, shows the dignity of God's creatures or not, you know, that those are all questions that do matter to us as Catholic. And so I think, I think that can and should be a part of our faith. And I don't want to present us as like, we're perfect. We never eat fast food and we never eat meat from factory farms. Cause that's not true. You know, we, we're not perfect at all. And you know, what we eat and our food ethics is not, is not perfect. It's just, something that we try to keep in mind and try to grow and strive towards. So I would say yeah, definitely part of our Catholic faith and something we really want to nurture in our family. Very cool. And I support you on that <laughs> as someone who often, I obviously I come from Oregon and farming's in the blood, but I've always wanted to go out of, but I can't tell if it's because I want to live intentionally as you two do, or if it's because I'm at nature an introvert and just want to have build my own little hermitage <laughs> where no one can bother me. It's somewhere in between, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds like based off what you told me, this is very much an idea of continuing that living intentionally. How do your kid? How are your kids handling? I think that's a lot of questions people would ask is, oh, you're going to move them to a farm? What's that going to be like? Yeah, I mean, Gwen is two, so she's just kind of along for the ride. Um, Lucy is three and a half and she's very excited. Um, Benjamin is our oldest and he's six and a half and he vacillates between just being super excited and talking about how he's going to go out and milk the goats and feed the farm cats. (laughs) And, you know, he's got all these plans and he just gets really pumped up and then kind of feeling sad that he'll be away from his aunts and uncles and grandparents and, You know, he only remembers the house that we've been living in for the past five years. And so just he sometimes feels a little hesitant about, you know, can we move back to this house afterwards? Are we going to miss it? You know, so he's the one that I think is has some complicated feelings about it. But overall, he's he's pretty excited. 
Excellent. I'm sure you all are very excited yeah. to start this new adventure. And unlike me in New England, who just looks at Texas and goes, oh, no winter. You guys have good weather anyway, so you'll continue <laughs> to have it. Well, good. Mm, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, and I um, prefer I prefer the heat to the cold. But um, Texas is, because we're, we're in North Florida, so yes, super. it gets super hot. And it gets super humid. Um, Texas is just a little bit a little bit of a different ball game. It's mm-hmm. it's hot and it's humid, but because there's not as much shade and just because the temperatures get so crazy, you just there's a sense of this heat could kill me if I was left outside, <laughs> which you don't really experience True. in Florida. It's just you'll just sweat. Um, <laughs> so it's it is bad from June through the end of September. Um, but great falls, great springs, and, you know, we're used to the heat, so I think we'll be, we'll be able to handle it. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Hey, if you ever want 120 inches of snow, come visit us in New England. We'll <laughs> gladly give it to you. <laughs> well, Haley, thank you so much for joining us here. You have our prayers, and we'll be watching you, seeing how everything is going. I hope you and Daniel will write about your experiences as it goes on at Catholic Exchange. I know our readers would love to hear about it. And thank you so much for coming here on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to finally get to speak with you. Thanks so much, Michael. This is really fun. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And thank you all for giving us a listen. You can check out Haley's articles on Cares for Medical Mass. And we'll have that linked in our show notes as well as her articles about bringing kids to Mass. And a few of Daniel's thoughts so you can understand the other side of this marriage. It's at CatholicExchange.com. God love you all and have a wonderful week.